Have you ever had a friend that you just loved, you just got on like a house on fire, but your other friends weren't quite sure about them? They just thought she was a bit weird, didn't know how to really read the room very well. That's how I feel about the prophetic. It's like, I just can't seem to get enough. I just love it. I want more. A lot of my friends, though, are a little bit dubious, not quite sure what she might make them say or what position she might put them in. But I just know that if you can get to know her, if they can get to know her, like like I know the prophetic, I just know that oh, you're going to froth just like me. <laughs> I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home and became a Christian at a very young age. I didn't really have any um, misspent, mischievous youth that I was redeemed from. For all intents and purposes, I had a pretty PG-16 teenage years. It's only PG instead of G because I thought a tongue ring was a good idea when I was 16. (laughs) Um, But I didn't really have this before and after experience with Jesus, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but my walk really felt very black and white and quite 2D. And it wasn't until I really encountered God through the prophetic about three years ago that I felt like he just blew it open and it just became this high definition, filled with colour, surround sound experience. And for the first time, I felt like I was experientially tasting and seeing that God is good. And after I was hooked, I just wanted more. And I want everybody else to want more too. And so I started listening to podcasts and going to courses and going on retreats and reading books. And I found this awesome book by Sean Smith called Prophetic Evangelism, where he tells a story of this Christian guy, his friend, and he goes to... Um, a wedding, his brother's wedding, and he's there for the rehearsal dinner, and he's got his food, and he's sitting down at the table across from this woman, and he thinks, you know, polite to to say hi, and she just looks at him like real stony-faced. I'm into Wicca. I'm a lesbian. I'm a hardcore atheist. I'm not interested in all that Christian stuff, so you can just keep that to yourself. (laughs) If I had been in that situation, I think I probably would have just gone and sat around at another table but he sat there and he asked the Lord for a word for this woman and he in faith stepped out and he spoke it out over her and she sat there and she listened very poker face no you know word or nod or nothing she got up and left after he'd finished and he thought oh shoot I must have really missed the mark on that one sorry God but the next morning the morning of the wedding she came and found him And she said, that word that you spoke over me was so accurate. Last night at two in the morning, I gave my life to Christ and I've renounced all the other things. And not only that, but nine months later, she's at work. She's a theatre nurse. And the patient is lying on the bed having surgery. And all of a sudden, he dies. And this is like routine thing. It's not like he's in there for a risky surgery. So all the doctors are all scrambling, you know, what the heck. And she just feels God put this word on her heart. She's like you want me to do what now? (laughs) But obediently, she goes down to the end of the table and holds onto his toes and said, I rebuke you, spirit of death, I speak life. And the man comes back to life on the table. Who doesn't want a story like that? I want stories like that. I want to see God break into people's lives in a radical way. I want to be in on it with him. And the revelatory gifts are the tools that the Holy Spirit gives us to be able to partner with him in seeing, bringing his radical change into people's lives. 
And by the revelatory gifts, there are th- three main ones. Um, there are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and the prophetic. And in their simplest form, it's basically hearing from God and acting on what, what you hear him saying. Words of wisdom are basically like a, a treasure map, like God giving you divine secrets and insight on how to bring about a certain plan or how to get from, from A to B. Um, words of knowledge are past tense, so something that's already happened in somebody's life. You knowing facts about them that you couldn't know any other way other than God having downloaded those to you. And they're really designed to give people this, wow, God really exists and he sees all the tiny hidden bits in my past that nobody else has seen. He sees them and he cares about me. And it's like the entree to the main course. It's like to whet people's appetite, the main course being the prophetic. And the prophetic is, is future tense. So it's where we get a glimpse of God's heart, God's reality, And it's like he's asking us to partner with him in bringing that reality into our own. It's not like a a done deal showing us that this is what's definitely going to happen. It's more like an invitation. The Hebrew word for prophesy is nabi, which means to bubble up. And so when we come into the prophetic, we're really stilling ourselves to just take, take notice of what the Holy Spirit wants to bubble up in our spirit. It's kind of like he's holding up a postcard and showing you, like, this is where I want to take you. Come, come, let's go on this trip together. A beautiful word I received a couple of years ago, the lady said she saw a candle in the candlelight and that um, candlelight is never harsh and that it doesn't make people feel exposed or defensive. It's just warm and lets them be vulnerable in it because it doesn't show all their flaws. It's just a lovely soft light. And she said that was how she felt God saw my effect on other people was like this warm candlelight, which was such a beautiful encouragement. But as I sought the Lord to ask him what he was wanting to say to me in and through that, I just felt him remind me that that candles burn out And that for me not to burn out in being that warm light to people, that I really needed to abide in him. And so that's started a journey of, well, what does that look like for me and you, God? And that's really what what the aim of the prophetic is, is, is calling us to, that change, that following God into what he's calling us to. Excuse me, recovering from a cold. There was a Barna Group study done a little while ago before COVID that found that 75% of American youth have engaged in psychic or witchcraft activity. 75%. That's not like, oh, I read the horoscopes in the paper or in a magazine. That's like the like the deep, dark, occult stuff. 75%. Our culture is so hungry for the spiritual, for the supernatural, sorry, but they believe there's more power in a seance than there is in the life of the believers. Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8 had all the people in the town thinking that he was this powerful man of God because of his um, signs and his wonders that he performed. And it wasn't until Philip came and showed them the true power of God that that against the counterfeit they could see and they, they repented and followed God. People want proof of power. They want proof of God's power and it outworked in our lives. Most people aren't asking, is God real? 
they're asking, does he care? Does he care for me, for you, for them? How Sam described last week in his preach, it just so overwhelmed me. His experience of, of that liquid love of God and how it just wrecked him for days. That is the point of the prophetic. That is the whole essence of what we're trying to usher people into is an experience of that liquid love, a deep awareness and understanding of it for themselves. Not just that he loves God, sorry, that he loves the world and died for the world, but specifically for them. And as believers, we are all, every single person in this room, all wired and created to operate in the prophetic. I know that that makes, you know, that can sound scary at first, but I'm just going to unpack a few things that I'm hoping will make it sound a little less scary. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.31 says, For you can all prophesy. All prophesy, one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. It just feels weird if we haven't done it before, if we don't know what we're doing, if we haven't practiced. It's like speaking in tongues, you know, it all sounds a bit shundy-bundy-rundy at the beginning, but, you know, you give it a go and you give it a go again, and before you know it, you're off. And it takes a lot of practice, but it's worth just mentioning as well that the prophetic isn't like what the prophetic was like in the Old Testament, where only prophets could bring um, the prophetic to, to the people of God. They were the only hearers and seers of the word, and so it was really important that they portrayed God's word accurately because they were literally forming scripture. Um, but now that we, once we receive the Holy Spirit, we are all called to prophesy. We aren't all called to be prophets. There are still prophets today. Um, the office of the prophet is a special calling, a special anointing. Um, it's Think of it like we're all called to be witnesses to Christ, but we aren't all called to be evangelists. That's a, a separate anointing, and it's not that somehow you fall short and you don't deserve to have that by any stretch. It's just he's given all of those different offices to the church so that we can need each other and lean on each other and everybody has their own to form that that shape of Christ in the church. Old Testament prophecies were usually warning signs. Um, They sounded quite harsh, quite judgmental, but it was really coming from a loving God saying to his people, I see you going in this direction. It's the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. This is the carnage that is going to happen if you do not turn around and go the other way. This will be the consequence of your sin. But when Jesus came and took all of that on himself, the prophetic didn't need to warn us about the consequences of sin anymore. It was drawing us into relationship with him. And so the prophetic now doesn't carry a tone of judgment. It doesn't carry a tone of condemnation. It may sometimes carry the tone of conviction if, you know, need be, but um, it's really one of of love and affirmation and encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, but when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people to build them up and to bring them comfort. Demons exploit weakness. We don't need to. That's not what the prophetic is for. I noticed as I was reading Paul's definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13 that when he's defining what love is to us, he actually uses more descriptors of what love isn't than what love is, which I thought was a really helpful framework to help unpack the prophetic a little bit more. 
because I think that the prophetic is the most misused, misunderstood of all of the spiritual gifts, and it's time for us to reclaim the power of the prophetic that the Lord was intending it to be when he blessed us with it. And as we head on this journey, I see as a church that we're heading on a journey where the prophetic is actually really normal in our culture to just stop someone and say, hey, you know, I had a word for you last week or today, or I'm sending you a message because I really sense the Lord is putting this on my heart. Where that's just normal. That's just your everyday. That's not like this amazing new experience. We're like, oh, wow, God's singing me out. That God is singling us out to each other all of the time and that we're coming to church expectant, asking him for words for people. Make somebody clear to me, Lord, who are you wanting me to encourage and comfort and edify and build up and that that be you know, really what Bay Vineyard starts to look like. So with that, I think it's key that we all start from the same page. So first and foremost, the prophetic should never be divorced from love. That scripture, um, Corinthians 14.1, where people often quote, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. There's a couple of words at the beginning of that verse that people very often miss when they're telling you to earnestly desire the gifts. And the Words that are left out say pursue love. That's literally the first foremost thing that God is saying. Pursue love, then pursue the gifts. Mike Pilavachi says it like this. We're to eagerly desire the gifts, but first we're told to make love our aim. If we aren't interested in making love our aim, we shouldn't desire the gifts because that is how people get hurt. When we come to prophesy over someone, we need to look at them with the eyes of Christ, the way that he sees them, not the way the world sees them. And if there's any other agenda that we're carrying, we need to just repent and leave that, but we really need to make sure that our heart's right and we're looking at that person with love. If we do that, we're fine. If we don't do, even if you know we don't get the word right and we're a little bit off, if we're coming in love, that's really, if you get nothing else out of this. That is really the key. Um, if we miss that, then we're abusing the prophetic gift. Second, the prophetic is not crystal ball gazing. It's not trying to tell somebody their future. It's not like the Christian version of tarot cards where you're saying, this is what's going to happen to you. Look out, you're in for a bit of a bumpy ride. It's it's trying to give people that glimpse of God's heart and his mind and how he sees them and what he's wanting to call them into. When we share the prophetic, it doesn't usually feel super spiritual, like how Sam was reading with Isaiah and him being called up to the heavens and the angels back and forth and God on a megaphone and this loud, like, oh, it's so spiritual. Before we bring a prophetic word, that has never happened to me. I'm not sure whether or not I want it to. Um, But that's not usually, it feels very normal. There's not this big whack over your head. It's usually just this really fleeting, interrupting thought where you were thinking one way and then all of a sudden this, Like when a person just pops into your mind, usually that's, I think, the Lord wanting you to pray for that person, get in touch with that person, encourage them. It's just exactly the same, just this interrupting, gentle thought just comes across your mind that usually sounds more profound or more bizarre than what you'd come up with on your own. Fourthly, the prophetic isn't just nice flattery. It's not just a nice pat on the back from God, compliment, well done. Thessalonians 5.20 says, don't despise the prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. In other words, don't just see them as a warm fluffy. They're a revelation of the heart of God. They're powerful. 
Tyler Stadden says, God only speaks because he wants to act. He doesn't speak for speaking's sake. There's no separating his speech from his action. And we need to move in a way that joins his action to our action. It can be really easy when you receive a prophetic word or when we prophesy over somebody for us to see that as being the end of the experience, like the start and finish of it. But the prophetic's not the end goal. It's just a means to an end, to open dialogue with people, with Christ, to connect people to that experience, that liquid gold monastery experience. And if we just leave it after we've received it, if we don't take it away and weigh it and, you know, do something with it, then really we're just despising the prophetic, as as the word says there. The prophetic process finishes with fulfillment and transformation. That's really the end goal. It's important to note here that Paul says we know in part and we prophesy in part. We need to remember that when somebody's bringing us a prophetic word, they don't see the entire picture. They're seeing a little puzzle piece and they're going off what they feel the Lord's interpretation is of that for them to share. So there's always going to be risk that they get it wrong or just slightly wrong or they misinterpret it or that you potentially misinterpret what it is that they're saying. Um, There's you know, always going to be room for human error. So the importance is that we weigh the word. Whenever you receive a prophetic word, every word you need to weigh. And by weighing the word, I mean writing it down, recording it, taking it to the Lord, testing it against scripture, asking him questions about it, praying about it. If it's a really um, a big word, a challenging word that's involves you know an element of risk for you where you're potentially going to be making some big life changes I would really encourage that you extend that to trusted advisors to help discern that with you to figure out what's meat and what what's bones what should I chew on and keep that's good and what's actually maybe not of the Lord so the responsibility of that really does lie with the receiver of the prophetic word Last term, I, um, as Sam mentioned, ran a six-week prophetic course, and we unpack all of this, but in particular, the weighing the word process a lot more. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, please, you know, register your interest to come and do that term two of next year. But if there's a word that you've had in the past that's hurt you or that's encouraged you and you don't know what to do with, and you actually just want someone to chew that over with, please come and see me or someone in the senior leadership, because we would love to chat with you and pray with you and help work through that, because I know that the prophetic can be a place of a lot of pain for people if, um, you know, if it's been mishandled in the past. So that door is always open. Fifth, a great point to follow on to remembering that the prophetic takes action on our part as receivers as well as givers is to know that the prophetic words we receive aren't always for right now. So if you've been discouraged in the past because you felt like you got a word and you're like, well, you said that ages ago. Where, where is the thing that you said was going to happen? Just remember that they can be date stamped for hours, weeks, months, even years in the future. And what's really important is that we don't just shove it up on the shelf to get dusty, but that we pull it out and we hold it before the Lord and we ask him, how do you want me to position and posture myself to be in alignment with this for when the time is right? Because it's not usually a passive this is going to happen, that's nice, I'm going to keep living my life and then that's just going to happen. It usually takes some form of us stepping into something to activate that. 
six, there's never a shortage of prophetic words. When we're stepping out to bring somebody a prophetic word, we don't need to twist God's arm or beg him to give us one. The word literally tells us that his thoughts towards us outnumber the sand. That is billions and billions and billions of thoughts for every single person here. We just need to ask him which one he's wanting us to share. What's, what's he already doing? We don't need to try to come up with something of our own, you know, manufacturing anything. Seventh, the prophetic will never contradict the Bible. That is like a hard red light. <laughs> if it does, just hard and fast. That's not from God, I can just tell you right now. Um, there are potentially four voices that you can hear in your head at any one time. The flesh, the devil, the world, and God. Pete Gregg has this incredible, very simple filter that you can use to remember A, B, C. If it's affirming, if it's biblical, if it's Christ-like, chances are it's God. Good to go. Green light. Go ahead. The prophetic isn't often comfortable or easy to step out and share. <laughs> I can attest to that. Unfortunately, the only way to grow in it is to put yourself in situations where you probably will feel a bit awkward and a bit uncomfortable. But I can tell you, the more you step out and do it, the further out you can go before you start to feel uncomfortable. So this is the safest awesomest place to start trying because no one is going to get mad at you no one is going to reject you no one's going to uh, slap you just um yeah enjoy the safe space feel free to to step out here um in the prophetic course I share a story that Pete, Pete Gregg shares in one of his talks on the prophetic where there was this young man he was up the front worshiping and he felt the Lord put a word on his heart for a guy that was standing next to him and he was like oh I don't know all right so he shared and then Pete finds out about you know what's happened and he asked the guy who brought the prophetic word he said how sure were you that you just heard from God and he was like oh 10% sure maybe not very and then he asks the guy who received the prophetic word how stoked are you that this guy stepped out and shared on 10% sure and he was like 100% it radically changed his life so even if you have the tiniest little inkling if it's affirming biblical Christ-like the risk is worth the reward to step out and give it a go and the final point is that prophecy can only be healthy when it's overflowing from a healthy and intimate relationship with Christ, which is why I love the order of our Bay Vineyard mission of being with and becoming like before we try and do what he did. The prophetic is our window that we look through to see what the Father is doing so that we can do just what he did. And a great example of this in action is during the interaction between Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4, because obviously Jesus is our best example of what the prophetic as a boss looks like. Um, and he basically tells her that he's God, the giver of living water, and she's just like so closed off. She's been so hurt, so just marginalized by her town. She's just not really interested in what he has to say until he brings a word of knowledge and he says that you've had five husbands and the husband that you're living with now is not your own. But even then, she's not quite sure until he brings the prophetic word and he says, my father's heart is that my people would worship me in spirit and in truth, not on this mountain, not in this temple where you can be excluded, but in spirit and truth and it just unravels her and she just boosts back to her town to go and evangelize the whole place and tell them on that the Messiah has come she gets it and it's 
he tells her the truth and it's not enough in that moment. Sometimes the truth isn't enough for us to tell people, especially in our culture. We live in a hardened culture to the things of God. But a word of not a prophetic word, it just, it just undoes people to hear the gospel so that we can share it. But operating in the prophetic doesn't have to look one-dimensional like it has in the past, I think. It doesn't have to look like a small group of people standing up on a platform bringing some thus saith the Lord's. The word speaks about varieties of gifts and varieties of ministries and varieties of effects. And the prophetic should have a variety of effect as well. It should have, you know, it look different to everybody depending on how the Lord has wired you. So don't feel like if, if that doesn't sound like a PCU. The prophetic can look so many different ways, and we unpack that a little bit more in the course too. So how the heck do we do it? How do we start? Um, I wouldn't say there's a hard and fast methodology of do this, 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 and this, and then you're going to get a word. But I do have a few pointers of things that you can do to help just position yourself to, you know, turn off your busy mind. And the first thing is to first just still yourself so that you can notice what's bubbling up. Because if your mind is racing and you're worried about, am I going to get it right? And what's this person going to think of me? And what if I fall over the words and I get the wrong thing? That is going to fully put God on mute. You're not really going to hear that gentle voice that's bubbling up. So just try and put all of that out of your head and just be still and come before the Lord expectantly. Um, Look at him, look at the person that you're coming to prophesy over as Jesus would if he was you. And really focus on being expectant that the Lord wants to bring you a word. Habakkuk 2 verse 1 says, take a stand at your watch post station, yourself at the tower. Look out to see expectantly what he will say to you. Desire is a magnet in the spirit. And then it's important to believe that he wants to speak to you. He wants to. If the devil is playing his nasty little games and bringing up all the ways you've fallen off the wagon this week or last week or last year or some horrible thing you did in your teenage years, repent and just give that to God. Wipe the dust off your feet and go and just do the thing. Don't let any of that past stuff make you feel like you're disqualified. You're not. You're never disqualified unless you want to be. And then once you get an impression or you get a, some people see it in picture form, they hear it, they just get this kind of gut feeling, whatever it is, ask God some questions about it. God, why did I see a cob of corn that was half eaten and on the ground? Why did it not, you know, this? Why did it not that? Why? Ask him questions about it and it will, he'll kind of fill out a little bit more of what he's saying to you to share and then step out and share it. Remembering that it's totally fine to make mistakes. It doesn't have to be a home run every time. The more you practice, the more accurate you'll become. And often, even if you've received a prophetic word before, it can sometimes seem like somebody's kind of reading this essay out to you, like they've got this whole big, really spiritual thing to say to you. But usually, it's just that God's given them a word or two words or shown them a picture. It's kind of like a newsreader where you get a little bit and it's, you don't get more until you say that bit and then it clicks over and the next bit comes and then the next bit comes as you say it and you're really just tuning out to flow. Um, Mike Pulavachi says it's like jumping off a diving board into an empty pool, hoping that God's going to fill up the pool with water before you get to the bottom. That is what sometimes it feels like. But even if you share it, 
Um, like Ramon this morning, she had a prophetic word for me this morning and he didn't know necessarily what the interpretation was, but he in faith brought that to me. I knew what the interpretation of that was. And so sometimes it's just as easy as saying, you know, I get this and I'm seeing a picture of this. Does this mean anything to you? And just asking and getting that dialogue going. And I've found more often than not when I I do that, because that's humbling. And I think, you know, the humility attracts the spirit as well. And so when we're willing to step out and look stupid, I think that the Lord is like extra faithful. One of um, Barry, amazing um, man of God here in our midst, was in the prophetic course. And I had that exact experience with him. And as the teacher of the course, you feel like you should be able to have all the interpretations of all the prophetic words that you're going to bring. But I didn't. Had this word, was praying about it for ages, didn't get the interpretation. Asked Barry, does this mean anything to you? And when he gave me his feedback of the course, that was the one that was the most powerful of the words that I spoke over him. And he had the interpretation of it. So we don't always have to have the whole picture. That's, that's totally fine. Everyone's invited to go on this adventure. There are no exceptions. Graham Cook says, it's the process that makes us rich, not the outcome. Prophecy is not just a dynamic shortcut to get us somewhere. God never wants us to avoid the process because that's where we get to learn about who he is and who he is for us. That he likes to be with us and likes to talk to us. We have to learn that the prophetic is how he wants to speak to us all the days of our lives with that same still small voice. So we want to be switched on and sensitive to his nature. I don't live very far from the sports park and I like to do a little walk around there each day for my, for my exercise. And a few months ago, I started asking the Lord to just give me prophetic words for the people that I walk past and that I see. Not to share with them, just to help exercise that muscle that I would see people the way he does, not the way that I feel like I naturally might see somebody myself. Um, and a few weeks ago, I was walking and there was a woman... Um, about 30 metres away from me, and I got a word for her, and I was just praying into that as I normally did. And then all of a sudden I get this impression that God was asking me to share that word with her. And I wish I could stand here and say, I did, and it was amazing, and she had this great big thing. Nah, I totally wussed out. (laughs) There was no amazing ending to that story. I just I just was deer in the headlights froze. I'm like, God, you didn't give me any time to prepare. <laughs> and just, just, she was coming so fast and I was walking so fast and it was all over very, very quickly. <laughs> she had obviously no idea. But um, I came away from that experience feeling like a, a failure, to be honest, <laughs> like I'd missed this big opportunity. And as I was unpacking all of that with a friend of mine, good friend and mentor in the prophetic, she just said, you know what? I think instead of seeing yourself as a failure, you should see it like you were taking your kids to Kmart to sit on Santa's knee and they just freaked out and they just couldn't, they just wouldn't do it, they weren't ready. So even though you were there and they knew you were there and that it was safe and you were fine, you were, you know, you're just getting yourself all worked up. God is not mad at you, he's not disappointed at you. And I kid you not, that was that was already in my sermon. This happened weeks ago. And yesterday, completely different friend, no idea that I was preaching, sent me this of her kids. This is my godson. Um, <laughs> this was them two years ago, freaking out. Santa couldn't even sneak in to sit down on the couch. They were losing the plot so much. I felt like, and who's sharing that with me just out of the blue last night? God was saying, yep, that's where you are, but this is where I'm taking you. You're going to sit on Santa's lap and get some amazing <laughs> words of breakthrough. Oh man, but it was just such a great reminder to me that God's not disappointed, 
when we don't take up every single opportunity. God's not mad at us. He's a loving Father. He wants to stretch us for sure, but he's never going to push us into a place where we don't feel like we're ready for it. And I think that that's really important to remember the prophetic. Anyway, since I've been praying for more boldness, <laughs> risky little prayer after that, I, um, I was out doing an early morning prayer walk on Tuesday morning of this week. And Psalm 146 has been on my mind a lot. And the first four, verse, first four verses of that chapter talk about, I will praise the Lord. I will sing to the Lord my praises every day of my life. I will praise. And so I thought, yeah, good idea. I'm going to put on my worship music. And I start going along and I like to sing quite loud. And um, there was nobody around and I thought, this is great. And then I just felt the Lord just say, hey, what if you just kept singing while other people come? could just not stop. I usually would stop when I'm singing and walking. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> baby steps, we can do this. And so there is no one around. So I was like, yeah, 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 we can, I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. And so I'm walking and I come around this corner and nearly smack this woman in the head because I'm like really getting into it. All hail King Jesus. Like somebody's just switched off my mic, top of my lungs, getting really, like these hands going places and everything too. Nearly hit into this little lady. I think she's probably mid to late 70s. And she's like, what have I just walked into? Quickly scuttles away, you know, in the opposite direction. And I keep walking. And then as I come around the corner, I see there's this other guy dressed head to toe, fully in red, red hat, red jersey, red baggy pants, the red basketball shoes that aren't really done up properly, and he's walking his pit bull. I'm like, sweet, he's far enough away, he can't really hear me. <laughs> I'm not disturbing him, it's fine. But it doesn't take me very long to realise, he's going so slow, he could be going backwards. I'm like, come on. <laughs> and I get to like be about 10 metres behind him, which for anyone who walks knows that's the awkward zone. Once you're that close, you kind of just feel like you're like, oh, what do I do? I'm in the stalker zone, like I'm not joining you, but I'm not overtaking you, and neither of us are. Anyway, he must have heard me think that because he pulls up his pants and starts sprinting down the track. <laughs> oh, and it only takes me about 30 metres before he realises that his fitness isn't quite up to the task. <laughs> and so he's... <sighs> with this poor little confused dog running around, there's this crazy lady coming. Anyway, I overtake him with about nine holy, holy, holies. I'm just like going hard. <laughs> Keep on going. Just laughing to myself, thinking, yeah, this is going to make it into the preach. And um, <laughs> I go to walk the final stretch and I'm pumping it out. And as I come around the corner, I see this lady who's clearly seen me already. And it's the little Indian lady. And she's pulled up her sari and turned in the other direction and has run off down the path away from me. <laughs> Talk about confronting people-pleasing tendencies head on. It was a lot. And for those of you who don't know me, I really like people liking me. I don't like seeing them run or boast off in the opposite direction when they hear me or see me coming. I like making people feel comfortable and relaxed and just not awkward. And so, yeah, it was, it was a good laugh. But I felt like that morning... God was really stirring up a holy boldness in me, baby little steps, not yanking me into it, but just, just baby steps and calling me to care a little bit less about what people think of me, which is hard for me to let go of. But for me to partner with him in increasingly radical ways, I know that I need to do that. 
And I'm learning that God is less worried about me getting it right and more worried about me just being obedient to when he's calling me to step out, whether I get it right or wrong. And I'm far from hitting the 10,000-hour expert status level, but I feel very, very underqualified to be here preaching about this, just so you know. (laughs) But I am deeply passionate about the prophetic and operating in a prophetic lifestyle. And I've been obedient. I've encouraged people. I've brought directional words when I felt the Lord putting them on my heart. And I look forward, hopefully one day, to sharing some big success stories in time. There aren't any biggies yet, but I'm growing in confidence and growing in humility. And I'm passionate to see this community get hungry to partner with God in the prophetic, to move where he is moving already. I feel way in over my head, but I know that if I keep down this track in 10 years' time when I'm back up here preaching, Lord being well, there's going to be some whopper stories to share. I'm excited. So where are you guys at with that? Sam's going to come up in a few minutes and just um, bring an invitation that you guys can respond to this morning. And I just really encourage you to not let fear or intimidation or performance anxiety or anything get the better of you. Because this bus stops at all the comfort zones. Every single one of them. Everyone gets to play. So let's raise the bar of what normal looks like at Bay Vineyard and partner with Christ to bring a culture where it's normal to operate in a prophetic lifestyle.